Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Stiff Upper Lip Podcast. We are rolling through this NFL season. Throughout today, we'll have a certain Max Saito joining us. But for now, I'm joined by my absolutely wonderful, beautiful human being, friend, compadre, co-host, Edward Watkins. How are you doing? I am... I tell you what, any sort of uh, rustiness that I had has been swept away by that. I knew, I you know how to get, I, I know how to get the troops firing on all cylinders. We, oh, yeah, oh, what, what, what it means to not have to have watched the Steelers this Sunday because we were on by. I'm coming in fresh as daisies this <laughs> this fine week. Uh, six teams were on by. So we have a fair few games to crack on with, but uh, where better place to start than on Thursday Night Football, where the Philadelphia Eagles remained unbeaten for a franchise record eight wins in a row. 29-17 winners in Houston. Uh, it started out a little bit, a little bit more choppy for them than I think they were expecting. As Davis Mills put in an absolutely wonderful drive right out the gate, but the might of the Eagles overpowered this pretty devoid of confidence Houston Texans, and uh, they just ran away with it. Yeah, well, I mean, running is the key word for the game because I mean the Eagles ran all over the ran all over the Texans, but to a degree, the Texans ran all over the Eagles. I think. It's hard, but I feel like the Texans might have given it might may have given us a slight blueprint of how to beat the Eagles, and it's to commit to the run even more than the Eagles do. Yeah, it's a fair shout. Um, it definitely helps having someone like Damian Pierce at your disposal. Um, when you when you factor in who <laughs> who can run the ball well in this Texans team, it it is Damian Pierce. To the point where it takes all of the sort of weight off of Davis Mills' shoulders. He's had a bit of a rough year this year. Um, definitely showing his second year slump, or sophomore slump, I think is the more apt term for it. And uh, yeah, they they did they did at least put up a fight, which maybe on another day might have resulted in the Eagles' loss. But at the moment, the shortbread of the NFC, and maybe even the NFL, <laughs> uh, rolled on. Um, I can't believe that the Eagles, been in business since 1933, had never won eight games, eight games in a row to start the se- to start the season. Eight and out. It must be a lovely feeling. Um, how he's got them, at, like bristling with weapons uh, every week. The player, the supporting cast around Jalen Hurts, make him look like an MVP. He's playing better football than I ever anticipated he would. He would reach. Um, you know the defense is holding up their side of the bargain. It's quite the, quite the air show, isn't it? Well, I mean, air, land, and sea. It's <laughs> yeah. It's, it's quite um. It's quite destabilizing to watch the Eagles because then you have to look at all the other teams and be like, well, that's just not as good. Yeah, like it's we'll, uh, we'll have to we'll have to see how they fare in some of their other games. The I think the toughest opposition based on record that they've faced was the Minnesota Vikings um, so far, which no mean feat. The Vikings are what 
six and two, seven and one. So seven and one. There you go. Um, no mean feat for that to be the best record that you've played. But some people, not myself, I I personally like to say that you can only beat who you play against and who you'd scheduled to face. Um, are saying that the Eagles maybe have had an easier time of it on the schedule-wise, and that might be playing into it. I think that's bollocks. I think they've just been a really yeah. good team. They have been a really good team, and the the other counter-argument is that most teams this year are quite bad. Yeah, that that is entirely true. Like, every All the team... good teams have schedules. <laughs> yeah, and they did beat the Cowboys, although that was the Cooper Rush Cowboys. Um so we'll we'll see. They they have a trickier test against Oh no they don't. <laughs> oh they really don't. Not until fourth of December against the Titans because they've got the Commanders, Colts and Packers. Um oh, we forgot to lead off the show with some news speaking of the Indianapolis Colts, who fired a two year, three year head coach, Frank Reich, and replaced him with former center is he in the Hall of Fame or is he like on he's the, the outskirts? He's in the Colts ring of honour. That's it. Um, but I think that there was talks that he could be voted into the Hall of Fame. Jeff Saturday, um, which begs the question, why, really? Well, it's the it's Matt Canada all over again. You don't play NFL games on a Saturday, so it's a terrible decision. They should have got in Jeff Sunday. Brilliant. Yep. Fair, fair <laughs> no, but on a, on a serious note though, like it does sort of, it, considering the people they have in the building, like they've got John Fox there, like there's a, a couple of other big names, and then when you consider the fact that they have to vet minority candidates as well according to the Rooney Rule, it seems to be a decision that is knee jerk at best and completely uh i don't know what's what's the word like completely totalitarian at worst like to pass up on more qualified better candidates it's it's street uh, it screams of a team who want to lose their final games yeah and, it definitely yeah. it has an air of we're going to lose now about it. Starting Sam Ellinger, I know that Matt Ryan hadn't worked. Uh, he definitely did need to be benched. But they do have a more experienced NFL-ready quarterback waiting in the wings for if Matt Ryan was needed. In Nick Foles, who has proven that he is at least a competent like replacement-level player. Sam Ellinger has not looked good. He had a great throw last week and I sort of made a point about oh he was dropping a few dimes to Alec Pierce but realistically his play in this game against the Patriots was atrocious um, we probably won't cover the game in, in total it's more it, every decision about the NF, uh, about the Colts right now smacks of desperation and it kind of just stinks to be honest um, so yeah Jim Irsay was saying some really weird crap in his comments as well he kept talking about he kept making a point about how they were in like the upper quad uh was it upper quadrant of nfl wins and he was saying oh they're, they're like a 
a top four team over the last ten years for wins, which when you look at it, it wasn't even right. He was just speaking bullshit at that point. Maybe maybe they'll type up another banner for him to hang up over in fucking Lucas Oil Stadium. Another meaningless <laughs> banner. But yeah, Jim Irsay, there was a lot of talk about like the the old Colts obviously is his dad was the owner of the Colts at that time and he was sort of running it a little bit like it was his own personal toy. Um, a little bit Jerry Jones-esque, uh, but back in the bygone era. Jim Irsay, when he took over as owner of the Colts, said that he didn't want to be like his dad. I, he is morphing into it a little bit with, with everything that's happening over the last few years. Yeah, it's been an up-and-down week or a couple of weeks for Jim Irsay because, like... Everyone was like, oh yeah, this guy's finally said how he feel, how everyone's feeling about Dan Snyder. And they got points for that. And then immediately it was like, actually, I'm going to torpedo my team, hire someone completely unqualified and not approach any minority candidates for this role. And we've sort of gone, ugh. I saw a, uh, I saw a headline um, and obviously Ben proceeded to read the headline from uh, SB Nation talking about how the Colts had won the Super Bowl of nepotism with the uh, Jeff Saturday pick, which I, I I really I must admit it was it was quite it was quite the read. If you can if you can go hunt it out, I recommend it. But yeah. And if um, you're listening, SB Nation. We love you. Hello. Hire us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gladly. Um, all right, let's turn our attention then to Sunday Night Football, which followed on the theme of the rest of the Sunday games and went right down to the wire uh, with a 20-17 to win for one team in particular as the Kansas City Chiefs fought off a very powerful Tennessee Titans performance by beating them 20-17 to with a bit of Mahomes magic right at the end to seal it. Running... The majority of the of the yards on that final drive, um, just an incredibly clutch quarterback, and yeah. proving that he can do it with his legs as well in overtime. What or He's, to get yeah. to overtime and then winning it in overtime? Yeah, checks out. Well, I mean, it it speaks to the resilience of Mahomes and of Andy Reid that they won't they won't be quiet for a whole game. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they will they will still find a way to put points on you if they're in the game late. They will still find a way to beat you. And I mean, the the Titans have been like the Chiefs' kryptonite for the past couple of years, haven't they? Because of their their notion that in order to beat the Chiefs, you just can't give Patrick Mahomes the ball. And you know, maybe we should all be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Easier said than done. You know. Easier, yeah, easier said than done, especially when you're playing a guy who is not NFL ready in yes. the league, Willis. I've not seen a, a sort of more jarring comparison in terms of passing yards uh, than Malik Willis's 80 yards on 16 attempts, uh, five completions, than Patrick Mahomes' 68 attempts, 43 completions, and 446 yards. It's it truly is something. He got banged by an interception, which uh, I think was just like a sort of weird concentration moment. It seemed like there was a lack of communication between him and Kelsey, and a sort of rare moment that that happens. But other than that, um, the Tennessee defense just played not to give up the big play, and it worked. 
It's it's why yeah. we've been seeing weird low scoring games almost for large parts of this season is the fact that teams are playing with the too high deep safety and the the limiting the big splash play for the most part. And it's working against teams like the Chiefs. But even still, you can't hold them down forever. Um So I don't think I don't even feel like the Titans look any weaker in my opinion, for having lost this. It's sort of one of those uh, old wrestling tropes of you got to make the guy that's about to eat the pin look as strong as possible, but then yeah. the might of the champion comes out on top anyway. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and there, were, there was a false finish or two in this one. <laughs> that's my, it, my favorite, My favourite moment of this game, I, I, I like weird little stuff, right? And so obviously Derek Henry is number 2022. 20, Sorry, 22. And then Juan Thornhill for the Chiefs is 2020. It's 22. Jesus Christ, what's wrong with me? And um, there's a moment where they're on the goal line and Derek Henry gets the handoff and just completely like clatters through him. And I'm just like, that was a, 20, a 22 off and Henry won. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, just weird little moments like that. It's uh, yeah. It's good to it's see. It's nice that two players playing, wearing 22 can hit each other, isn't it? It, it it sure is, Ed. It sure is. Yeah. Um, I'm 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 gonna give a little bit of credit, by the way, to a guy that I absolutely adore, and it's Juju Smith-Schuster, who's really showing out at the moment as uh, Patrick Mahomes is like second favorite target right now. Ten catches, eighty-eight yards. He's doing all of that dirty work underneath. If Kelsey's covered, it's. It's nice to see him getting back to a, a properly high level again because I've thought of him as being a, a really talented wide receiver for quite some time. It's good to see him back. It's good, real good. Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole party's playing well, aren't they? Like, the Hardman is sort of doing the Tyreek role but not getting the Tyreek receptions because they're kind of spreading it out a little bit more. Yeah, it's just it's just Andy Reid working his magic, and then Patrick Mahomes slicing and dicing teams, really. For sure, absolutely. Also, a nice one for Kadarius Tony getting out there and catching a pass on what felt like the first or second play of the whole game. Just a just a really welcoming into the Arrowhead crowd. Uh, he obviously has struggled to get game time in New York because he's just not been healthy. So it's quite nice to see in the new area. There you go. Ed's inverted commering the uh, not well. He's not been healthy because he's pretty. He seems like pretty all right now. He's rocked up in a different environment. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's true, but we'll have to keep an eye on that. See whether or not he was in fact just pulling a sickie for large parts of his mm-hmm. Giants career. All right, uh, moving on then to the final of the primetime games, where the Ravens went into the Superdome, or the Little Caesars Superdome, as you like to put it as, and uh, yeah. beat the brakes off the New uh, New Orleans Saints. I had a real moment with this game. On Sunday, in fact, wasn't even Monday? Uh, yes, it was Monday night football, it was, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, like, on Monday, I messaged into the group chat, and in our little predictions thing, I, was, I could have easily won the league for the week, and uh, beaten Max. We all picked the same games for the final two, the Sunday night and Monday night games. And then just randomly I got this little this little hunch to pick a spring onion of a game 
and think, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a gamble here on the New Orleans Saints, who then proceeded to get skull fucked by the Ravens all over. It was, it was yeah. Dreadful imagery for a dreadful performance, if I'm being honest. The Saints could not move the ball, except when they did, on the weirdest touchdown that I think I've seen in quite some time when Juwan Johnson just got left open by Chuck Clark and taken in for a score. It wasn't as close as 27-13, though. No, and it wasn't... It wasn't um, academy viewing, was it? It was just... It was just one team turned up on the day and they were handsomely better, which of course is always nice for me when it's the Saints against you liked. But like, it's yet another team in the AFC now which are sort of saying, oh, hold on, like we're playoff contenders here. And yet another team in the NFC shriveling up but may still make the playoffs. Did you know everyone in the NFC South has a negative record? They have for a while, right? Am I right in thinking that it's been like three weeks now that everyone? That doesn't surprise me. I've just realised that the uh, the outro music just started playing then. My bad. I, I fat fingered the uh, the mute mic button. Jesus Christ! I know I'm late. I didn't realise I was that late. What do you mean? Oh. <laughs> just play this man out immediately. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing, Max? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Nice to see you, fellas. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty oh. good. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty peachy, thank you, my friend. How are you? Oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I don't um not from an NFL perspective, but life is going is going alright. Nice. Well, at least I'm a, glad to hear it. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that you're doing alright outside of. Yeah, sadly um, for we... me, ball is life. Yeah. Shall we hard pivot to this? The rest of this episode be about Max's life. Yeah. <laughs> it all began one fateful day in early March of 1995. A simple time, a simple time before the concussion was invented. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh, ouch. Um. Max, do you have anything about the Ravens and Saints game? Not really. I mean, yeah, it's just sums up how things are going. I think the Ravens are. I think the Ravens are a good team. Um, they had that obviously streak of bottling every game they played in hilarious fashion. But I think at the end of the day, they're going to be there or thereabouts in the AFC picture. Probably, you know, an AFC Championship contender type team. They'd probably be the one or two or three seed in the NFC. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and the Saints just, yeah, they came out and crushed the Raiders, then immediately lie down. That's some strange stuff going on this year. Funny that uh, I mean, the Saints absolutely obliterated the Raiders, shut them all down the week that Sean Payton was in the building, and then all of a sudden they're back to being completely moribund. So, wonder why. Okay. Wonder watch. Um, they said they they wanted to win that game against the Raiders as a Dennis Allen revenge game, because Dennis Allen famously was an awful head coach of the Raiders some other decade other than this one. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, Who hasn't and got been sacked? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, any players involved still in the Dennis Allen era now at the Saints or the Raiders? <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. Ed, do you have anything else about the Saints Ravens? 
Um, a quick note on the Saints that it's not getting any better anytime soon because Philly have their first round at the Ouch. Yeah, that's uh that's a uh, way to lose it in a big spot, Saints. Way to lose it. Uh, all right. Let's uh get our attention then into the regular Sunday slate of games where I'm actually gonna start for the first time this season with the Chicago Bears game, where they did in fact lose this one thirty five to thirty two against the Miami Dolphins. But, but, the Bears had the best offense in the NFC North for what feels like the first time in about seven years. Way to go. Justin Fields had an absolute day and a half. Um, I do want to just quickly quell everybody's expectations about Justin Fields for the rest of the season though. I feel like we Oh, all, don't do it to me. We all we all bought a little I think we myself all included. Did. We've all not you, Max, but everybody else <laughs> just bought a little bit into the like he's had two amazing games. Here we go. He's gonna be a great he was he was arguably the worst starter in the league at the beginning of the season. I believe in him but let's Let's hang fire on him being put into the MVP conversation, which weirdly I've seen already so far. What? Yep. From who? Uh, I can't remember where I saw it. I think it was like... Colin Cowherd's drunken journal. (laughs) I don't don't think it was Cowherd. I think it was probably just some other talking head like Max Kellerman or some shit. Uh, We all know Cowherd and Kellerman wouldn't be putting Justin Fields (laughs) at the top of the list. That's true. But I think you guys can call. We, we can call one of if we had like a special end of seasons awards. I think you could call one of them right here. This is the moral victory of the season, <laughs> and it's you know like it's it's weird, right? Because the the Bears had like a moral, not victory, but like a moral loss last year. I was like last week, I was like, oh, the offense looks pretty good. I mean, they they did lose by twenty points, and then this week. They only lost by three against the Dolphins team who they couldn't really stop, but they went toe-to-toe. And um, does anyone know what's going on? Because they went from... Well, it's crazy, isn't it? They had that, like, seven... What was that Commanders game? It was, like, seven-three or something. Well, this <laughs> the is The one thing. that ended with the Bears getting blocked on the goal line. And then all of a sudden, it's like they're the Lions. <laughs> but the, <laughs> well, the yeah. early season Lions. 20 games and two administrations and sort of like, and then you suddenly unlock Justin Fields by going, actually, he can run. Like, your self-scouting department has to be in real trouble, because at the start of the year, he was just a handoff machine, and now they are using the threat of the run to create space for the pass, and like, they're finally playing to his strengths, right? Yeah, and it worked as well, because they, uh, I think that the run, the sort of 61-yard touchdown run where it oh. seemed like he was in the hands of about four Dolphins. I think it was in the hands of God guiding him through <laughs> <Yeah>. the field. <laughs> <laughs> Cradled. Like Moses parting the TLC. No, but it was. It looked for, There was a while where it looked like a kickoff return. Yeah. He, he genuinely, I somehow, I've never seen a guy find a seam that efficiently that quickly on a fucking on a non-designed quarterback run it was just a scramble drill 
And he anytime went 61 can, yards with it. Anytime you can draft Dante Hall as your first round quarterback, that's not a bad <laughs> selection. No, I don't know. Do you think, um, do you guys think this is um, like a sustainable form of offense? Or do you think it's just they changed it up the last two weeks and then maybe by the end of the year? Although it's probably playing to your quarterback strengths is never exactly going to be a bad thing. I don't expect them to be the miserable offense that they were at the start of the year. I don't think they'd ever regress that much. But do you guys think that maybe defensive coordinators will be like, oh, I see what... You know, I think defensive coordinators in this league at the moment have a lot of experience, if not proficiency, experience with dealing with this sort of run to set up the pass attack. And I just wonder whether... He'll probably start getting played a lot like how teams are playing Kyler Murray now, in the sense of they'll put a spy on him constantly. They'll contain the pocket instead of rushing the pocket, which will open up the actual passing game, I think, a little bit more. But problem then That's becomes... Strength. Yeah. It is. It then becomes the problem again of getting fields to throw more. Which, I mean, he I threw mean, he's for a, three he's touchdowns a, in this game. He's a better runner than Kyler Murray, by far. Yeah. He's not as good as Lamar Jackson. It's no, he, he's more like Cam, really. A little bit. Mm. That's the profile. Would you, would, the... would you have, if you had to rank, like, just to take an aside, if you had to win play show the top three rushing quarterbacks in the NFL right now, would you have Fields second or third and Hurts and Lamar maybe one and two? Or Lamar one and Hurts Lamar, two? I think I'd have Lamar one, and then just for longevity, I'd have Hurts two. Because he's done it more consistently over the first like Lamar eight is a weeks different season, whereas Lamar's a different kind of like guy. He's not. Yeah, I feel like Jalen Hurts is like if you had he's, they're not built the same, but he's kind of like if you had the most upgraded premium version of Marcus Mariota possible. That would kind yeah. of be Jalen Hurts. Yeah, whereas the Lamar poor Jackson's poor man's Randall Cunningham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. He's um. My uh, like the Mike Jackson's like an upgraded Michael Vick. Yeah, you know they're different kinds of cats. Justin Fields is just like Cordell Stewart, but in the area that supports his play more often. That's legitimately I mean, like I, maybe I, I think he's got a better arm than Cordell. But has he though? He's only he only threw 123 yards here. The man's just Fran Tarkinson with gold leaf. <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is, is like if they can get it to actually work, then that's that's fine. Um, it's just can they sustain it? I'd I'd be I'd be interested. I'm at least excited to see how the Bears do on offense now. I I think realistically they they'll be better. Like they'll be they won't be like an abysmal league worst offense. But I don't know if they'll go up and down the field like they did against the Dolphins. Wait, you, what you have to remember, yeah. The Dolphins, though, they, they're one of the teams that rely most on, like, blitzing to generate pressure because they don't generate yeah. a lot. Yeah. and so That's why they brought you... in Bradley Chubb. Yeah. yeah. And Bradley Chubb did absolutely nothing on that game. Do you see? They, they had him on special teams. Yeah. Um, they had him on special teams. Yeah. That's an expensive... That's a fucking expensive up back. <laughs> especially with how, like... Especially with how injury-prone he is. I feel like McDaniel keeps forgetting just how... Breakable, some of his players. I don't think are. that was that. Probably wasn't McDaniel. That was probably McDaniel was probably like, hey, who's that guy out there on special teams? Yeah. Goes the special what? Teams. <laughs> Who is that? Is he new? <laughs> oh, that chub guy is putting in a lot of work on special teams. 
Oh no! Wait, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, funnily enough, I played a um, uh, my fantasy uh, league this week. I was matched up against him, and he got one point. That's <laughs> not like, bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, for the one assisted tackle that he had. <laughs> Do you think um, if you're a Bears fan, like Emma's really Emma's not jaded like some of us. Emma's really optimistic. She's very happy. But if if you're like a jaded Bears fan, do you think you're like, hmm, wish we hadn't traded away all those defensive players? Well, this is what I'm thinking. I think with with Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, I think they win this game. They literally traded away the the pieces that were there. And it's not like Chase Claypool, he had two catches and, and one run for four yards. So, like, all of their trades lost them this game, basically. No, I think I think that maybe the Claypool thing is, is he's not TJ Hawkinson. You can't teach him the whole playbook in, in four days. Well, no, I, I just meant it is in like a, everything that they did in the deadline actively hindered it because Claypool just wasn't ready enough to play more than like four snaps, basically. Yeah. Oh yeah, Kevin O'Connell. Best thing you can say about the guy. He's got a really simple playbook. You can learn it in thirty-five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, we yeah, may as well turn our attention then to the Minnesota Vikings seven and one. Uh, the The best way that I can describe this is you like that, you like that, where the Commanders fans at FedEx Field started a "you like that" chant at Kirk Cousins when the and Commanders scored, and then he scored thirteen of points <laughs> yeah. won the game. Oh. Just brilliant. I love it when stuff like that happens. They had a Heineke chant, and then he threw a, a almost game-sealing pick. Uh, it just Absolutely back-breaking pick. Yeah, yeah, it just all went wrong for the crowd at FedEx Field. I'm so sorry. Um, no, you can't bring them down at the moment, though, because Dan Snyder's probably going to sell the team. <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah. They, they're they, untouchable at the moment. They're, they're the happiest happy. fan base in the league. <laughs> I was about to say, if they lost every game from now until the end of the year, I think that Dan Snyder might get less value for the team. I think they're actively hoping that that they do at this point. Oh, I don't know. They've lost a lot of games, and it hasn't stopped the team being as valuable as it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. Actual takes from this game. Um, they they didn't score as many... I know, I know. Um, they didn't score as many points as like other games, but that might be the best Kirk Cousins game as a Viking that I've seen. Like because he was just getting battered. Like Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen were just like destroying the interior of that O line. And yeah, he was standing sounds, in. That sounds familiar That's, to me. <laughs> yes, it sounds <laughs> very familiar to me as well. Um, and he was standing in there and making plays, including that absolute dime to to Cook on the sort of touchdown that drew everyone level. Um, and I think that just the resiliency to stand there and take the battering they took. He only took three, um, sorry, two sacks, but he got 13 QB hits in addition to those sacks. Ouch. And, I know, he's got to be sore. But he'll be all right because he's got his hyperbaric chamber. <laughs> <laughs> Way to bring it full circle. I like it. Yeah, uh, the the other thing as well is that ridiculous touchdown for Curtis Samuel. That like I went through every emotion, you even did. the positive ones. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd, yeah. hit, I'd, <laughs> I'd hit positive emotions by the end of the game, but I was like, oh, right, if, we, okay. if we lose because a referee's just speared a DB who was about to make a tackle, I'm not going to be happy about this at all. 
I think it would have been deep. I think it would have been DPI anyway. What? <laughs> I struggle to. I struggle to believe that you felt every even excitement, which is what I call wistful excitement. <laughs> I went through everything. I went through, you know, prognostication. I went through vexation. I, yeah, I was vexed. To be fair, <laughs> you seemed fairly vexed. You were. I was. You were I, would, yeah, yeah, the I, couldn't, definition I couldn't see of the living. funny side. I couldn't see the funny side of it at all. I was just like, it was, it was pretty was bloody funny. It was fucking hilarious. And you know, the my favorite thing is that you were then trying to bargain with me, saying that you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have been doing the exact same thing <laughs> as what me and Max and Sam were doing to any of us. <laughs> We, it, I tell you what, it, it would have been the exact same scenario. It did work on Sam, but you're absolutely right. Like, <laughs> come on, come on now. Everybody would have done the same thing. It was fucking hilarious. I was, I went back and looked at the um the it, it, again today, and I was just like, the, for starters, the the referee has like a good five yards in which he's like staring down by them. <laughs> Before he hits it, <laughs> like have you seen it? I did actually rewatch it because I was like, it can't have been that bad. I only saw like the ending of it because I sort of looked away for a second. He did actually genuinely. I don't know if anyone saw Robert Lewandowski's red card yesterday, but it was the exact same thing. He's just watching instead of looking at the ball. He's just watching the guy he's about to elbow in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so all all's well that ends well. Uh, the Vikings are seven and one, five games up in the division. Um, They've got a good chance of winning the division, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although yeah, they do also, say yeah. that the season doesn't start until week eleven, so this it could true, all be for we may, we may have the division by week. <laughs> yeah. I think it's possible. <laughs> and yeah, um, the other thing to say, I know we've mentioned it briefly, but T.J. Hawkinson. Um, nine nine receptions on nine targets for seventy yards. Uh, the first Vikings tight end to have nine receptions since the eighties. So <laughs> maybe they've got something. The nineteen eighties. Yeah, that's not that bad then. <laughs> oh, that is that's crazy. First Vikings yeah. since the eighties to have nine receptions. First makes, tight end. Yeah, it makes yeah, sense yeah. though. Like. If he's getting the crap being out of him, the tight end's naturally a, a bit of a you know comfort blanket there. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're not gonna go outside too often when you're getting slammed from the inside. What would you say, twenty times a game <laughs> <laughs> at least? <laughs> but it helps to have a a tight end who's actually a good and b available. Yeah, yeah I was about to say. <laughs> There's a brilliant still of this game if you haven't seen it, which is um, Kirk like with two with Payne and Allen like absolutely bearing down on him and three uh, linemen that have whiffed on them, and then um, O'Neill and Darasaur like making perfect islands on the edge, but it doesn't matter at all. It's very it's a point of viewing. I'll see if I can send oh, it to the you. The classic islands in the stream play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, anything else on this one before we move off, or are we gonna go head to the Meadowlands, where maybe the biggest upset of the whole week took place, as the New York Football Jets, the Jeet, twenty to seventeen winners over the Buffalo Bills. 
I want to I want to pinpoint one guy in particular, and that is Sauce Gardner, who is absolutely bawling out. It's like Revis Island, and he's already in, he's only in his rookie year. He's played nine NFL games, and he's locked up some absolutely incredible wide receivers in man coverage. I think I saw something that he's only allowed something like twenty six yards in man coverage to like 20, 28 yards, yeah, twenty eight yards against like Diggs. Fucking Deontay Johnson, I feel like Jamar every Chase. Year we get a stat. Every year we get a different cornerback, and it's like the end of the season. It was Jaya one year, it's Jalen Ramsey another year. Every year we, for the last five years, it's been like this receiver has only allowed one one pass in man coverage as the nearest defender all season. And it has a list of the receivers they've played. And there's guys who are always on that list of receivers. Alan Stephon Robinson Diggs. is always on there. Stefan Diggs um, is always on it. I love obviously Stephon not recently, Diggs, but, but he gets... Alshon Jeffrey used to be on that list a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it's T. Higgins. Like T. Higgins, T. Higgins. is the top of that list. Yeah. It, <laughs> but T.Y. Um, Hilton. That's the one. Yeah. Another I love, one. I love T.Y. back in the day. Um, yeah, he, he's amazing. And the Jets don't play a lot of man, but they ask him to do a lot of man responsibilities. Like you know, in sort of like a split coverage. Yeah, and he's he ah oh, he's. You can do that when you've got someone who can lock down one side of the field. Yeah, but it's not even that he's locking that da- locking it down. He's also spying the QB while he's doing it. And you're just like, how are you getting away with this? And he is. Yeah, they've they've definitely done a lot of work on on all forms of their defense. I think that uh, we're all believers in the in the Jets like front three, especially. Um, but yeah, the, CJ well, Rankins a, got hurt. Got hurt, didn't he? He did. Um, so we'll have to wait and see how bad that turns out to be. I haven't seen anything about it. But like CJ Mosley had a sack in this game and played great. Obviously, Sauce Gardner. They're getting great games out of Lamarcus Joyner, Jordan Whitehead, Michael Carter the second. Um, and on the other side of the ball, they got a great game out of Michael Carter. Michael the Carter back. first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, Michael Carter, by the way, who has obviously been playing second fiddle to Brees Hall all year. What a game from him to, to go up against this Bills defense and put up that sort of game, 12 carries, 76 yards and a touchdown. I know that it doesn't seem all that great, but like 6.3 yards a carry. It's pretty special. The signs were there. The signs were there in the in the Bills game against the Packers that the Bills weren't quite. They were coming out of the bye and they weren't quite themselves. Obviously, they're missing Matt Milano, but Aaron Jones really went off on the Bills. Did like nothing yesterday against oh, oh, the weekend against the Lions. So I think that could be. Yeah, like I say, Matt Milano I think is returning to practice fairly soon. That will help do a world of good for the run defense, but that could be their Achilles' heel. Yeah. What were you going to say? Yeah, I'll go. I was just going to say. Um, on the subject of Michael Carter, it's incredible to see how many of those went for first downs. I think it was nine of those 12 rushes went for a first down. Yeah. Just Which so like... clutch. Um, and on the subject of Matt Milano, yeah, I am praying that he's not there next week. <laughs> well, Josh Allen might not be there next week because he yeah, got a UCL, got a bit of a elbow bent funny, getting hit while throwing. He didn't practice today. He's saying... Um, oh yeah, you know, we still believe, uh, Josh Allen's saying, I still believe I'll play. But you've got, um, Sean McDermott's in this press conference saying, oh, we believe in Case Keenum. So that, 
isn't something you would normally say if you were pretty confident that Josh Allen was going to be playing. Yeah. Um, so it's a good time to play the Bills because I think they've in a bit of a, a a dip in you know the season's a long season and they're in a, a bit of a a bad moment as it were. So <laughs> you know, thankfully for us, we've got a reason to continue to not recognise the Vikings for the for another week. Incredible the... cliche work, by the way, though, Max. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have I have hideous flashbacks to the first year we did this podcast. I think might might have actually been the year before. No, it was and the first year because I grilled you for it relentlessly yeah, until the, it turned the, out to the, be a fucking unbelievable player. Yeah, the frisky Minnesota Vikings and like I think we were like something like five and two at that point, and then rookie Josh Allen came and ran yeah. absolutely all over them, and then hurdled back into the wilderness for a year and a half. Yeah, hurdled Kendricks as well, I seem to remember. which. Bar. Oh, no, bar. it was it was Bar. They got <laughs> him so bad. <laughs> yeah. They got him so bad that, the, the if you recall, that was the season when the Bills decided the Vikings were actually based in Wisconsin. <laughs> in their pre-game graphic, they were like flying to Minnesota. It was like flying to play the Vikings. They were just going to Wisconsin. So, not only... Not only <laughs> That was when Josh Allen was at the prime of his like being doubted. Like people were so low on him, yeah. And he came out and did it, and it was like the the Bills came over said, "You're in this state now." (laughs) (laughs) Do you know the AFC East? I know that we mentioned about how the NFC South everyone's got a a losing record. The AFC East, everybody's got a positive record. There's three teams on six wins. This division is as wide open as it could have possibly been. The Bills, yeah. Jets, and Dolphins are literally neck and neck throughout the whole thing. They are also, what we Bills thought. Have played a game less, haven't they? They're yeah, like yeah. six and two. Six and, and three was in the Jets eight. and Dolphins are six and three. Patriots are five. They're and zero and four. two in the division, though. They are zero and two in the division. Though. They are. Yeah. Um, and the Bills have not played the Patriots at yet, home. Jets four and zero on the road. It could it could be a sweep from the New York Football Jets. I don't the think the Dolphins are going to want yeah. to go. I I know it's a cliche, like a serious cliche, but when it comes to like late December and January, and the weather starts kicking in, and the Dolphins have to go to—I don't know if they do have to go to New York. They do on or the 6th, New England. On the eighth of January, the Dolphins play the Jets. They all. When do they play at the Patriots and and the Bills? Uh, let me find out. So they play the Patriots on the first of January, the Packers oh. on the twenty fifth of December. And the yeah, bills oh, on the eighteenth of December. It's, we're playing it, on Christmas Day. Oh, it's it's. Oh wait, no the 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 jet uh, the dolphins don't have to go to New York. They're at home, but oh, they... it's, I, I think it's optional. Yeah. <laughs> if you rather stay, yeah. lads, feel free. You can forfeit. Um, but they do travel on the road to Buffalo and New England in December and January. So that'll be a Jesus a Christ. Oh. you're definitely gonna get the dolphins are that kind of team uh, every year or like a rookie and the dolphins will go up to these road games like this is honestly the first time in my life i've ever seen snow (laughs) (laughs) that was the jared goff thing wasn't it we've never even played a game outside california (laughs) (laughs) breathtaking um all right let's go then to a game that we can sort of rattle through a little bit quickly, but also finished up 20-17, to 17, just like every one of these other ones, where the LA Chargers came out on top of a little entertaining but kind of weird game against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, 
couple moments that I sort of mainly wanted to highlight was uh, Cordell Patterson running over. Was it Drew Tranquil? Absolutely, Drew Tranquil. Absolutely murdering he him on the goal line. Him, yeah. He quite literally sat him down on the awful off-colour turf at Mercedes-Benz, whatever the hell it is. I think it's just Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It looks like one of those um, games where the mascots play the children. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It really did. And then uh, the other moment was Austin Eckler fumbling the ball uh, sort of in the red zone. He'd he'd gotten off a a nice run. It was scooped up. I can't even remember who it was scooped up by. But then it fumbled again by the Falcons and recovered by the Chargers. And that ended up being the field goal margin that won the Chargers the game. Um, Dicker the kicker, putting it through the uprights. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a, a very weird moment. Uh, very strange scenarios. Fun involvement for all. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. involvement for all. <laughs> Two teams who, despite being competitive in their relative decisions, didn't want to win this game. Yeah. I think that kind of sums up this season. A lot of teams don't really want to win. <laughs> um, but the ones that do, they find a way. And the ones that don't, well, you can tell. I don't <laughs> think either of these, neither of these teams are going anywhere in a hurry. Um, no. God, the oh. Falcons. If the Falcons had Geno Smith, they could be a, ser- a serious team. But I don't know. Maybe they'll win the NFC South and get slapped in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> They've got poor man's Jalen Hurts at quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh. Anything else from this one? Or we're turning it quickly over to a game that has probably more news about what happened after it than what's happened within it almost potentially i mean i think it's worth just saying as well that like just for the love of god please someone relieve steve lombardi of his duties and get a competent play caller in la i agree yeah they need one because justin herbert is a premier talent they have players uh, playmakers all over the shop on offense and for some reason they can't use any of them consistently right now well they were they Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams they were Keenan Allen's a, got a bit of a cloud over him I don't know what his injury status is but it doesn't sound good well it sounds obviously like Herbert his, hasn't been the same it sounds like his hamstring didn't heal up the way that they were hoping it would have done over the bye week so they they were expecting him to get him back all of a sudden now we don't even know if he'll play again this season. Uh, yeah, that is troubling. For the Some Michael Thomas stuff right there. A little bit. Just a little bit. Um, all right, moving on then. Uh, weird to go on to uh, a couple games in a row with teams with losing records. Uh, but we'll hit the Jacksonville Jaguars coming back from 17 nothing down over, uh, well, against the Las Vegas Raiders, who now fall to 2-6 and six after blowing it big time. Just three points. Didn't, get, didn't score a single point in the second half. The Jags came back to win it. Um, the reason why I mentioned about all of the stuff after the game 
is that the Raiders are in a mess off the field by the looks of things where um, Derek Carr had his comments at the presser where he said, there's a lot I want to say, but I don't need to say it here, which... That's, that's, that's not good, is it? That's not a, that is a very Derek Carr-ish thing to say as well. <laughs> a little bit. You can tell that he was just like, I'm so sick of this coach. Every game we blow it. We brought the beeper back. I, I I brought it back just for that little moment. Don't oh, worry. Give me, mo- give me flashbacks to the incident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that this game was an incident for Derek Carr. He's furious by the looks of things. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he didn't necessarily games. help the cause. <laughs> he went into the tank as much as everyone else did. For sure. Do yeah, you think that the it... Raiders get out of his deal at the end of this year? Potentially. Almost definitely. Do you think the Raiders would want to trade for Aaron Rodgers? I think they might. I think they might. Oh, Devontae Adams is there. (laughs) 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 That'd be funny. Last dance. (laughs) Uh, But, um... Doesn't Rodgers have, like, $32 million guaranteed cap hit next year? Got a lot of money. Well, when they sign the deal... We can talk about this in the next. We'll game. talk about it on the next game, but yeah, I, 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 I see Derek Carr going to the Jets more and more every single week that goes by. Right, my my. He would get destroyed by the New the York Jets. media. He would get destroyed I... by the New York media, but then he is. The, he would cry he's the, in a press conference. But he's the quintessential like Shanahan style quarterback for me. I think. If they just take the ball out of his hands and leave it in Brees Halls, just let him throw like the occasional deep shot to Garrett Wilson, he'd love that. It's far better than what Zach Wilson's doing. Well, you say that, but he he was fine this last game, and Derek Carr wasn't. But I true, true. That yeah, I mean, there's been so many inquests into Josh McDaniel. It's just amazing that two coaches have been fired already, and neither of them were Josh McDaniel. It is. It's weird to think that, like, I felt more. I feel more certain of Josh McDaniels being a, a Tom Sula moment than, like, well, maybe not more certain because Evan Meyer was a disgrace off the field. But like, even on field wise, if he'd have just not been a, an ass, I don't think he would have been a Tom think... Sula. Whereas McDaniel, really, I don't think it's that surprising because I think both. Frank Reich and Matt Rule were basically on an absolute shoestring holding on to their jobs at the end of last year. Like, it's surprising they didn't get fired at the end of last year. So when their team started out slow, whereas McDaniel... McDaniels, sorry, <laughs> has been as bad as those two, but I guess you're obliged, aren't you? Even though I think Mark Davis, if there is anything that goes on in that head of his, is probably starting to regret that decision. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I actually I went and checked out like I don't usually do this but I just wanted to see what like the Raiders fans were saying after after that game. I don't usually go out and seek other fan bases in the toilets. Honestly, most of any sport Twitter is just complete garbage and everyone recycles the same thing. But it surprised me just how many people are anti Mark Davis right now. I think he might have to make the switch just to save his own position at the moment. Which is a weird thing to think. 
but also maybe not because everything that Mark Davis has touched so far has been a disaster. Who on God's green earth is the GM of the Raiders right now? No idea. It is that guy. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mm. well, well, I think, yeah, that's, no, I think no, that answers my question me. quite effectively. I want to say his name is... John, honestly, no, the first name that popped into my head was Vin Ricketts. And I don't think it's <laughs> <that>. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that from now on... The, yeah, the GM of the Raiders is Vin Rickett. Vin Rickett. Didn't they used to play for Bolton? <laughs> that was Sam Rickett. Oh, <laughs> uh, right. Sorry. Oh. Um, yeah. Also, in other news that happened, uh, I think yesterday, uh, Jonathan Abram has been released from his Raiders contract, which now means that outside of Josh Jacobs and Clellan Farrell, who are both uh, no longer going to be on the team as of next year as it stands right now because they declined their fifth-year options. There hasn't been a single first-round pick that the Raiders have drafted since 2017 on the team anymore, which is I mean, damning. That's the only thing that's keeping McDaniel in a job is just that he's like, for God's sake, it was a mess when I got here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Farrell plays almost exclusively special teams if he plays before anything, like if he plays at all. Yeah. Um, Josh Jacobs is a good running back. I still plant my flag in that. He's been pretty decent this season, but yeah. yeah. He's, he's gotten back on, on onto form. It's weird that they declined his fifth-year option before the season started, and then this is the year that he decided to start balling out like his rookie year again. Um, well, I think it's the, the, the change in schemes really helped him. Maybe, but... Because it's not like the offensive line is better this year than it was last year. Oh, God, no. No, but he was doing all of this... Like, you know how Lev Bell used to be trying to be like... He was doing... Basically, he was Najian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he's not. Now he's just remembered, oh, yeah, I'm a power back. I'm just going to find a hole and go. And it works. Weirdly, when you get a power back and he runs downhill, uh, all of a sudden, they work. Wow. You've managed to ruin. You, you, you've managed to ruin my day by remembering that Matt Canada's scheme exists. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But no, you're absolutely right. Josh Jacobs running downhill is is far better for his career than Lev Bell patience running, which I think only a few backs can do effectively. One of them being Lev Bell. Should we move Anything on? Want to say about this game? Nope. Yeah. I've got nothing. Yeah. Let's move on then to the uh, well, my favourite funny game of the week, where another two and six and three and six teams. Take the piss out of you. <laughs> <laughs> another two and six and three and six team, uh, as of right now, faced off where the Detroit Lions got just their second win of the season against Green Bay. In Ford Field. Mm. And uh, just a quick reminder that everybody... Um, Aaron Rodgers is tied up uh, until 2025 with no contracted out in his contract and has $59 million of cap hit in that year alone. So... Yeah, he's got he's got a ridiculous cap hit next year, but they can get out of it after 2023 for relatively little pain. Not according to Spot Track, they can't. Oh my god! I read a dead cap hit. 
No, trust me, I just read a long ass article on ESPN about like pre June first and post June first exemptions. <laughs> okay. There was just uh, so so they can get out of it in twenty twenty three for relatively little I mean it's still gonna be like a thirty two million across two years if they did in twenty twenty three. But and I think when he signed that extension this summer, I don't think anyone would really have well, I don't think anyone saw the season going as badly as it has as it has done. So I don't think at the time anyone would have begrudged them for signing two extra years coming off back to back MVPs. Um terrible, terrible game this. Hilarious in many ways. But I was bummed out that the Packers sustained nine injuries in this game and almost all of them were to actual players who contribute something valuable. Um, obviously Rashan Gary's done for the year, which sucks because he was basically their best player. Aaron Jones has got a high ankle sprain, which isn't ideal. Eric Stokes is going to be out for a while. They probably were running out of... They probably had to borrow some of the Lions' crutches and boots at the end of the game. Um, which sucks because, I mean, this loss basically ends the season, right? Like, they've got the Eagles, Cowboys, and Titans coming up. They're probably not going to win those. So you're going to be sitting at, what, three, three and eight, I guess. Three and then and at nine. that point, you're just like, you might as well... Yeah, you might as well find out put Jordan Love in for the last six games, because you, you've got to work out at some point, because you're going to have to decide in May if you want to actually pick up his extension. And I think the I heard, I, I heard a point this week, which was the worst case for the Packers isn't that Jordan Love is a bad player. The worst case is that he's actually a good player, but somewhere else. Um, I don't... It hasn't really seemed that that's likely to happen, does it? But it's definitely a big... It's a big picture season now. It's become a big picture season. Um, and funnily enough, in this game, this was actually the best the Packers passing has looked. Passing game has looked probably all season. Outside um, they of... moved the ball up and down a lot. Like they moved the ball much easier than they have in any of the last four defeats. But then they just uh, someone decided to turn it over in the red zone three times. I think they, they, they might... had like five drives that got into the red zone and got about three points out of it. I think it might have something to do with the fact that. Um, the Detroit Lions did, coming into this game did have the worst rated pass defense in the entire NFL. Like that probably yeah, they... will contribute to moving the ball easily when you have yeah. reigning MVP Aaron Rodgers throwing it. Uh, it's just that he also threw three bad picks and also underthrew a wide open touchdown to Alan Lazard as well. Um, he cost him. Yeah. It was it was all Aaron Rodgers. If he comes out and tries to blame anybody else um, again again for like the fourth time this year now on the Pat McAfee show, then... What do you mean as... the fourth time this year? There's been at least 12 or 13 <laughs> yeah. times. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, ever since the games started actually happening, and I'll, I'll only count each week but individually. But that's how Aaron Rodgers has always been, like, since day one. And I think okay. the fan base would be a lot more willing, <laughs> is going to be, and are, a lot more willing to turn against Aaron Rodgers than they were to turn against like Brett Favre. Like if Brett, if Aaron Rodgers said he was retiring, I don't think people would be out in the streets like, and and Jordan Love was stepping up. I don't think people would be out in the streets like, you know, for God's sake, don't go. <laughs> I think I mean, like, that guy was, is, he was a bit of a, an odd guy. It shows you how much of a bellend he is that you can say that and it's true. And he's the two-time reigning MVP. Yeah, no, you're quite right. I don't know if there are many. Isn't he a three-time reigning MVP? He's a four-time MVP. That was it. He, yeah. He's a two-time reigning. Oh, like, double, yeah, yeah, double reigner. Yeah, yeah. 
Pepe Reina. Um, now that was a football player and a great <laughs> fascist as well. Uh, <laughs> no, that, that was until this game, until this game, the Detroit Lions were averaging five more points conceded per game than any other team. Yeah, I feel sorry for anybody that picked up the uh, Packers defense, for example, um, instead of the Lions one. Uh, yeah. Ouch. The Packers defense didn't even play that badly. No, I know, but it wasn't, it wasn't quite the Lions. No, and the Lions in the last four games have scored 0-6. 27, but that was against the Dolphins, who I've got some concerns about their defense, and 15 points. So Dan Campbell is joining that list of people who might get sacked. And to be honest, this game, if, if there's a single silver lining from this game... Um, it's that I'm so glad right now that the Packers didn't spend a second round pick on Chase Claypool because they're going to need it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. also, I've got a question. I've got a question for you guys. Um, well, some people would say eight, but I think on this podcast we would say seven veteran quarterbacks signed an extension this off season, and they've all been a lot less effective this year. Seven have all been a lot less effective this year. Kyler, Rogers, Brady, um, Stafford, Carr, Carr, and um, yeah, obviously Rogers uh, and Wilson. Even Kirk Cousins, even though the Vikings are seven and one, Kirk Cousins as a quarterback, his efficiency is is significantly down on what it was last year. I think he's yes yeah, turning it over. Almost twice as much as he did. His, his touchdown rates down. He's even taken more sacks. But I, I don't think of all of those, you would say Kirk Cousins has regressed the least. But it is a little odd that all seven of them have regressed quite hard. Our wins a QB stat because if so, Kirk hasn't regressed. But I think that yeah, it is weird, isn't it? It yes. is weird. I'm trying not to draw any any conclusions there because I feel like this is extenuating just... circumstances for most of these guys. I feel like as well, this oh, is just a oh, really man. odd year. This is such a weird... It's like, I bet next year, quite a lot of... Apart from Brady and Rogers, who are both just completely cooked, I think, at this point, and probably, maybe, Russell Wilson, who I'm yet to see a good game out of. Matt Stafford, I would say, might be... Stafford could be, but even still, like Matt Ryan's obviously going to retire, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in terms of like the majority of these guys that are that are down on their efficiency, um, I think it's probably if you look at it next year, they'll probably be fine again. It's just that if you look at this year in a vacuum, everybody looks bad, or apart from like a couple guys, um. Yeah, that's what you've got to hope. That's year. what the Packers have really got to hope for is that this is just a down year. Yeah, and maybe it is because they've had down years in the past and come back strong. But I, yeah, like how Aaron Rodgers says, a down year for me is a good year for everybody else, but a down year this year for Aaron Rodgers is a fucking turbulent bad. shit year for an absolute <laughs> bastard man. With that being said, he's probably still in the top half of quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. He's better than Russell Wilson. That's not. And that's not saying that. anything. Hang no, your can hat he pick on that, it, please? Yeah, can we? Can we please move on? And the last point is, I want oh. to make a personal point of vendetta against Ed. 
Because Ed has got so much shard and like if Ed was like, I'm loving watching the Vikings, they're winning everything. You can't hold that against a man. But Ed is taking so much joy in the downfall of the Packers. And like I, f- I take that personally because I like last year when the the Packers beat the Vikings in that comedy primetime game with some scarecrow starting and their best play was the center catching the ball and rumbling. I was so magnanimous. I make a point of being a very humble and magnanimous man. So he who yeah, laughs that's, that's last always come through. Yeah, he who Will laughs last last longest. Up? I have been waiting to use that. Let's move on. Cause... Tom, Tom, can I'm sure you have the perfect uh, sting to counter Max, and I think it's uh, the captain himself. <laughs> what you just knew that was going to happen? <laughs> yeah, I mean... yeah, yeah, absolutely. If I well... may offer countenance to that point. <laughs> There you go. Can we uh, can we please move on? Because Ed's got to leave. I want to get through. Well, I'm. I can stay here all day. I was. I'm gonna have to bounce now, fellas. But it was. Um, it was lovely once again. Max, what can I say? You're a lovely young man, but you chose an, a terrible team. To follow, and I will glee in their downfall until the end of time. And I will see you both next week. Ouch! Wow. You get one yeah, down here out want, of your but rivals, at least my team, you, run the at least ball my team don't have a big stupid horn they play after every. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> You'd be hearing it a lot. All right. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> see you guys later. Yeah. See you later. Oh, all right. Second only to the. Or or the fucking bird screech that the falcons play. Hate hate all of them. I do, however. I hate their stadium noises. Love Max Saito's impressions of their stadium noises. <laughs> All right. Um, I vote that we only do one more game. Um, I'm quite okay with that. And then just do like the last couple as very, very brief bullet points and get the fuck out of here. Um, mm-hmm. And where better place to start than or where better place to sort of finish off our actual game breakdowns than with the Seattle Seahawks, 6-3 and three on the season, 31-21 winners over the Arizona Cardinals, where Geno Smith has continued to not read his receipts. 275 yards, two touchdowns, and another 100-plus yard game out of Kenneth Walker, who is balling right now. Um, I know that everybody's going to look at Damian Pierce as offensive rookie, but I'm just going to bang that drum. I'm going to bang it hard because Kenneth Walker is my rookie of the year offensively. If he keeps it up. Chris Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson, maybe give a a nod to. This is such an... You know how like two weeks ago we were like, all right, fair play to the Seahawks. They're doing well, but we don't think they're actually a good team. Yes. How many more weeks does this need to go on before we need to revise that again? No, like I'm two? revising it now. I, I'm. It's just it feels sustainable what they're doing. Yeah. I, I legitimately... it doesn't seem fluky. It doesn't seem like they've got a particularly like big schematic advantage being given to them by their coaches. You know, it's not like the Bears' offensive revival. It's not really like the Giants or the Vikings where they play every game on a knife's edge. They just feel like a fundamentally sound, good team. And Geno Smith is playing in a way that Russell Wilson never did. Russell Wilson is has always in his career run around and chucked it downfield to Doug Baldwin or Tyler Lockett or had to throw it away and take a three and out. 
Geno Smith's moving the ball and he's hitting throws over the middle, which I think was killing Seahawks fans that Russell Wilson never did that. He's just he's like a field general at the moment. He's like the pocket the pocket operator. It's bizarre. He is. Honestly, um I'm I'm just gonna accept my uh I'm just gonna accept my sad trombone moment there as I picked the Seahawks as my number one overall pick. And in fairness, all of us are wrong. We were all pretty wrong. We were all pretty wrong, but I was the most wrongest with my Seahawks pick. Um and I I think that it was mostly also because there's so many guys on this team that I didn't see being this effective this like at this point of their career. Be that because I thought that they'd get better as they got older, or because I thought that they were cooked five years ago when they were bouncing around the Jets and Giants. But Geno Smith, Tariq Woolen, Kobe Bryant, all of those guys are balling out right now. Kenneth Walker, I didn't expect to be as good as he has been. I thought, all right, Rashad Penny's gone down. They'll get some good performances out of Walker, but probably not like ridiculous. He's he's popping off, honestly. Chelan like, Nwosu has been really good as well. He has. This whole team has either been like it's just full of veterans that I didn't expect to be this good still, despite being you know bouncing around at points in their career. Or it's full of guys that are that are young and coming into the league and they're hungry. I think that Tariq Woolen might genuinely be my contender for defensive player of the year or the uh, defensive no, rookie of the year. Other than Sauce Gardner balling the fuck out, basically being the new incarnation of Darrell Revis. But Tariq Woolen's been great. And this is Yeah, he's he's a keeper. It's just it's baffling when you look back like ten weeks ago where this team They'd lost Russell Wilson. They were having a quarterback controversy between Geno Smith and Drew Locke, and everybody was thinking, like, you guys didn't think that they'd be anywhere near as good as this. I definitely didn't. But, I mean, I thought they'd be the worst team in the league. They've been unbelievable. I don't even think they're, like, in their wildest dreams, their fans would have thought that that they could play like this. But weirdly, it seems like they're just having a lot of fun. And they're just that team that, in in a league where a lot of things are looking is looking quite difficult and a bit of a slog at the moment for a lot of teams. Yeah, the Seahawks are just having a lot of fun. Yeah, and they they just enjoy improving everyone wrong more than any other team. I They've would got say. some real mighty ducks energy about them. I'm not gonna lie, and I know that that sounds really weird for a a, a team coached by Pete Carroll and who yeah. made the playoffs two years ago and what. Bit of an odd guy. Yeah, but like. It, they do have a little bit of that sort of weird spark about them, and I know that they got Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and all that, but who thought that this would be the case? Crazy. Uh, and on the other side of things, um, the Arizona Cardinals are an absolute mess. I think that Steve Keim and Cliff Kingsbury are both... Talking about people who got extensions oh. over the summer who are flopping. Oh, God. How did that? How did we allow them to carry on? How have oh, they I don't know about this? you. I wasn't consulted on it personally. Well, no. Me and if they had consulted but... me on it, I would have given them a different recommendation to what they ended up doing. Yes, but even still, holy. Bid well, or like bid poorly. <laughs> oh, but they are, and this is meant to be a team that starts out hot and gets better, uh, gets worse as the season progresses. 
They were already they get worse. If they get worse, they are, I don't know what's going to happen if they get worse. Oh, it's it's crazy. I think I saw something that's like there are there are seven teams right now that were in the playoffs last season that are on a losing record. Um, that's so crazy. Which is mental. And then there's, I think that there's eight teams right now that didn't make the playoffs last season that are on a winning record right now. The the whole league seems to have just completely flipped itself upside down by like three teams on who we thought they were. We can't even do this segment this year because we didn't think any of them would be who they thought who we thought they were. <laughs> but they are who we thought they were. No, they fucking aren't. That's the problem. They aren't who we thought they weren't. Yeah, but yeah, what a what a what a silly week. Firecliff Kingsbury, as far as I'm concerned, it's been long overdue. And Steve and I mean should not cannon. be. Yeah, and Steve Kime shouldn't be let off the hook either. This team, this roster, it's it's not doesn't help. It's not great. Call of Duty came out, does it? It, it doesn't, doesn't help that it, Modern Warfare Two has hit the shelves Owen Two since then. But they probably would have gone Owen Two anyway. I think the thing with the Cardinals is that they really overperformed in the first half of last season, and they thought they'd stick to it. Like they got so much goal line production out of James Connor. I don't think that was ever sustainable this year. I mean, he got hurt, obviously, but. I don't think they could ever rely on him to move the ball like that, and I don't know. Just what good players do they actually have? They have, in theory, Kyler Murray's meant to be a good player. Hopkins is obviously, I don't think I would argue with Hopkins being a good player. But other than that, it's just dragging it. It's just dragging And they need to redesign their uniforms because that white and red is so mediocre too. It's, it is. They should um, stick with the black and red. That actually gives them some sauce, and they need it badly. Yeah, they really do. Um, other news for the Cardinals is that uh, two-time All-Pro safety Buda Baker suffered a high ankle sprain, and he's going to be missing. I think it seems like he'll only miss like three weeks, but in three weeks' time, high ankle sprains stick yeah. with you, don't they? They not only do they stick with you, but in three weeks' time, the Cardinals could be completely out of the playoff race. So, ouch! Banged big time by a lot of teams this year who are candidates to blow it up. A lot of teams this year with Kansas. And yeah. the funny thing is all those teams that we mentioned who weren't in the playoffs who are going to be buying in a big way. Um, yeah. So there could be a changing of the guard or those teams might bounce back or the teams who are buying might end up being like, oh, we weren't actually as good as we thought we were. <laughs> nice. And now we've got Kenny Golladay on the books. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. We got two more games to just like quickly, uh, quickly battle through. Um we have the uh, LA Rams, who are another team that, I mean, they they are defending Super Bowl champions, and they're three and five right now. They are right on the cusp of being about to blow it all up, but they don't have any first round picks for like two more years because coming home to roost. Yeah, this is it's it's finally all coming back. You know, do you remember in preseason when Matt Stafford's like. Uh, shoulder was being it was reported. Like a big story. It was like and they were getting st- the baseball guys to look at it, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. And uh, we sort of we had a we had a think Lost about it over. being like, oh yeah, that could be a factor, but I don't think it'll be too bad, like too much. Oh boy, is it? Is it? I think that I think that that's been a, a thing this whole season. He hasn't been it able to be, throw the ball right uh, once. It's a bit of a. I know it, it feels is a like bit a cop of a get, out. get out of jail free card, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of other issues other than that. But no, we said, because I think I remember saying in a podcast, like, whenever they try and opt for the non surgical recovery, 
it always to me is like, well, maybe you should just take the six weeks on the sideline and, yeah. and try and get it fixed up proper. Um, and that offensive line, I think, is probably the biggest reason more than the shoulder issue. Um, but defensively, they haven't really been the same either. I would say Donald and Ramsey, they play at a very high level normally, and it's hard to replicate that, but they're playing below it this year. <laughs> and obviously, I don't remember hearing the name Bobby Wagner at all. He was meant to come in and really give him juice. I don't remember hearing his name once this year. <laughs> and um, if they keep losing and Jalen Ramsey keeps beating the crap out of Taylor Rapp, then things are going to turn toxic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Taylor Rapp's going to have two black eyes and no teeth left by the end of the year at this rate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for the, for the Buccaneers side, Tom Brady led a, another sort of one of those classic career-defining level um game-winning drives after doing approximately fuck-all for the rest of the game. Someone had to win this game. Somebody had to win it, and of course it, it was going to always be the guy that could put together a game-winning drive in his in his career. It's I know how people don't talk about the Bucks. Remember in preseason, the Bucks offensive line being decimated by injury was a big story? Yeah, yeah. But people haven't talked about it in season nearly as much as they talk about the Rams offensive line. Nope. And I think that it's because... I don't know, I think that it was just one of those things where we all kind of saw that would be the a factor. Like, the Rams one, I don't know, it, it feels more like it came out of left field a little bit, just how far they regressed. Because as soon yeah. as Andrew Whitworth went, it was like, oh, oh no, the whole offensive line's collapsed. Whereas the Bucks, they got Ryan Jensen back for the year and then immediately lost him again. They um, haven't had Tristan Wirfs for large parts of this year. I don't know if he's healthy or not, but either way, it's it just doesn't they they were gonna be bad. Like or their offensive line was gonna be like really rough. Um they just can't move the ball. I, I'm 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 kinda just I'm I mean I've said it for the last like four weeks. I'm just done watching Buccaneers games. I actually as soon as the uh the Seahawks and uh, Cardinals game um, finished. I just stopped watching NFL Red Zone. I just, yeah. I just turned it off. I was like, no. No, there was no point, was there? There yeah. was no point. So I did miss the Tom Brady uh, game-winning drive, but I caught it back up with it on the highlights. And yeah, I didn't even that, bother doing that. Ouch. Um, it was a good drive, to be fair. They actually did move the ball, but it took 58 minutes for them to finally be able to do so. So... You know what? Another thing about the season, which I I think makes it so sort of not great, is that last year there were a few teams who were bad, but like everyone was rooting for them, like the Lions. Yeah. This year, all the teams who were bad, most of no them, one, no they're... one's rooting for them. They're either like teams who everyone hates because they've been big and now they're terrible, or they're just mediocre drag. Yeah. Or they've been bad for that long that now everybody's disappointed because they finally got a little bit of hope behind them, like the Lions and Jags, and they're still not great. Um, all right, final game. Um, it was it was just a complete blowout. It's why we haven't touched upon it. Um, but we've got to mention it anyway because Joe Mixon getting a five-touchdown day is always worth at least a little mention. Because the Bengals absolutely pounded the Panthers, forty-two to twenty-one, and wasn't that close. It really wasn't that close at all. It was thirty-five nothing at one point, which is dreadful. PJ Walker uh, got benched halfway through this game. He had a zero passer rating, 
two picks, three completions, nine yards, and then was taken out of the game where Baker Mayfield moved the ball in a large amount of garbage time, 155 yards, two touchdowns. Um, I couldn't name you the starter for the Panthers next week because they have three guys and I don't trust any of them. No, nothing more to add. Did you guys talk about the Colts game? We didn't talk about the actual game itself because there wasn't much to actually say, but the actual news around it, we did we did talk about it. Do you have anything to yeah. sort of add or bring up that you want to mention? And I'll just sort of... Uh... Did you talk about um, how, first of all, the Colts are clearly trying to lose on purpose? Yes. Yeah, we did. And have you also... Did you read that um, Jeff Saturday said that Jim Ursay called him during the game? I didn't. Oh, during the game, he called him and was like, uh, "And I don't think it's ever good to make." I'm sure you talked about how Jim Irsay is becoming more rash. The last yeah, we years. we actually. Spoke it's not about good how to make it basically a, like a, his dad. At yeah, this point. yeah. It's it's not good to make a decision while the game's still on, or even probably the evening of the game. No. Nope. Um. So that's concerning for them. You have to break concerning. it down for at least a couple of days, something like this. I think. Um, unless it's something that you've been sort of considering all year and it's like the, the I mean, on the 9th of January, we'll probably see quite a lot of coach firing going off around the league. Um, but yeah, Frank Reich out. Um, there wasn't anything else to this game. Matthew Judon had a great game for the Patriots, but other than that, it was, I mean, we didn't Whatever. even, I was watching it on Red Zone. Oh, I say I was watching it. I was watching Red Zone. They just stopped going to this game after it was like 14 nothing. They literally didn't... Or oh, 13 nothing, and then a fucking field goal. They literally didn't show anything from the second half apart from the pick six because it was just over. There just wasn't anything in it. The Colts are dreadful. Um, and then... Oh, man. This game used to be a big-time game. <laughs> the yeah. Colts-Patriots. Oh. All right. Let's... Uh... <laughs> I think that we've exhausted all of our points. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, of course, it means a lot. And, uh, yeah, you can check us out throughout the week on at StiffLipPod on Twitter. Um, you can also find Max at, at DearFera, Ed at, at NFL underscore Wilkins, and me at, at T underscore Chappers 1997. Oh. Anyway, who do you think who do you think has gained more from being on Hard Knocks, Jonathan Abrams or Dan Campbell? <laughs> Dan Campbell because he got more pop, whereas Jonathan Abrams was cut from the team. Oh, he got a lot of pop. Jonathan Abrams is going to last longer in the NFL in his position than Dan Campbell will. Maybe we'll have to wait. And see. Sorry, Dan. 